Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Boy Conrad, also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Harry, aka Pierce, and Chuck Wood paneling multiple yachts, Davies, and we're also known. Well, you already told you all the nicknames. Anyway, we're going to be talking about a lot of things today on today's show. We got Mexico hiring another Argentinian as their head coach. That might be a good thing because they're winning World Cups now. The U.S. men's national team not hiring anyone, which hurts. Jesse Marsh looking to stay in England with Southampton. Malik Tillman breaking the unspoken rules of the game. Ricardo Pepe, Yunus Musa. In serious relegation trouble with the respective clubs. Pelvino Matarazzo not getting that new manager bounce with Hoffenheim as he lost his David Leverkusen. But before we get to any of that, a question for these guys. After the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl by scoring 38 points against the best fence in the NFL, which may be helped by the refs just a little bit, Christian Pulisic was spotted Chuck Davies wearing his signed Patrick Mahomes Chief jersey. Should you ever wear a signed jersey? That's really where I want to start the show today. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's an interesting take. Uh, yeah. Woo! I don't know if you should. I don't know if you should. Yeah, I, I think I think you're allowed to wear signed jerseys. Is that is that like too fan fanboyish? If you if you're wearing the signed jersey, or is that like the ultimate flex? No, I I feel like if you don't have another jersey to rock of Patrick Mahomes, why wouldn't you rock? A signed jersey of Patrick Mahomes. I feel like you should frame that shit, Heath. Yeah, I, I mean, I promise you guys, no one's thinking twice about wearing jerseys we signed uh, for them. You know what I mean? <laughs> People are just chucking. They're throwing those right. They're they're using those on. They're they're using those to go anywhere. You know, they might take that off and and wipe up a wipe a, a table. Stain okay, that's that's like us. That. I get that <laughs> under that context, but but no, but it's it is an it's an ultimate flex because I have a feeling that Christian Pulisic at no point has stopped and thought, well, what if it's the only autograph I can get from him? You know, <laughs> he could just go and say, I, I would yeah. like another Jersey sign, please. <laughs> That's fair. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and maybe after this Super Bowl win, you, you frame it. It's, it's, yeah. you know, he's with, with, with some of your own body sweat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Why not? So Charlie, Charlie question from devoted phantom. We saw the thank you like celebration that you made for the U S men's national team. Uh, how was Travis Kelsey's after he's the first touchdown? For the Chiefs in the Super, Bowl. it was legit. I, it, it was it was legit. I mean, it was sexual, Charlie. It was much more sexual <laughs> than your than yours. The hips were like, alive. Yeah. Mine was, that was more of a dance. Yeah, like a rhythm, yours was like in the vibe. club. You know, yeah. yours, yours was, <laughs> I know, was that vibe. One, that's a proposition he did. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to attract, attract. He was trying to attract a mate with those. those, yeah, those dudes. Yeah. I think you're right on that. Unbelievable. Uh, whoa, right. whoa, 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 whoa. Before whoa, whoa. we do anything. Okay, how right. was your birthday? What'd you do? Uh, you know what? Tell, let's break it down for us. Break it down. You know what? I, I had never been to Alcatraz before. Mm-hmm. I, I've been a California native. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm a California native. And Alcatraz was 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 a, a active prison while you were young. 
Um, yes, it was. It was. I had a cousin <laughs> trying to do it in a safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're the same. Age. Yeah. But yeah, so we, we, me, and the beautiful wife, and the and the two kids, we went to Alcatraz and and did that. It was it was mm-hmm. actually pretty cool because nobody was there because everybody was focused on the Super Bowl. So it was a good time to just cruise around, and we ended up seeing the second half of the Super Bowl. But it it was fun. And then uh, is it cool? Back. Like, is it a you yeah, did like, like an is official it tour? You learn or like, is it a one time oh, thing? But the sight lines from there are ridiculous. I might post a little bit about it on my Instagram if you guys are down to follow that. But I would say, uh, yeah, it's 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 remarkable. And and what's interesting when you live up here in Northern California, San Quentin, which is another famous prison, has some of the best views anywhere. It's like the real estate first where San Quentin is is ridiculous. Now I got to go play against inmates in San Quentin a few years ago with the San Francisco Glens, and that was intense. Like the guy that was captain of the other team had been in prison for 22 years. I didn't want to ask what those guys did. I mean, St. Quentin's maximum security. I mean, that's a life, yeah, yeah, that's a life yeah. for prison, you know, that's, for that is, prison, yeah. it was intense. And, uh, and, and I scored a hat trick. <laughs> Shout out to me. I scored an absolute banger. I, guess I don't think I, I would have done that. that. I didn't want to celebrate. Find out. I didn't want to celebrate. I didn't want to get shanked in a celebration or something. You know what I mean? So, so I, I, no, no, no. But you know, what was really cool was those guys, we just we they just got to feel like normal guys for a couple hours and it was cool to yeah. give them that despite whatever they had done. Do they play uh, like is that do they play regularly? Is there an area that they they play? Yeah, up yeah, yeah. Out in the yard, they have like a makeshift yeah. field, which is kind of half baseball field, half. So it's like where the NYCFC play. Oh yeah, I mean they probably only have to play there for four more years and then, uh, oh, then they're good. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if it's going to be a 22 year or life sentence like uh, some of these other guys. But but the captain, he had done something really bad. And I just didn't you just didn't want to know. You don't want to ask any questions of these guys. So, yeah, I'm tying two stories in together. But but the prisons here in, in the Bay Area have some incredible sight lines of the rest of the city. And, and uh, it was fun, you know, just getting to hang out with your kids and learning some stuff along the way. I uh, was pretty neat. If you guys have seen any of the movies, The Rock or Escape from Alcatraz or whatever, it's uh it's a Man, pretty unique experience. Charlie's starting to regret asking you how your birthday was. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're like 14 he, minutes into the show. He, Char- you're not you know? lying. <laughs> you know, he told six stories, you know. I, didn't, I wasn't even going to go there. Up, you guys brought you know, it up. I, I Charlie genuinely there. cares. And when you genuinely care, Thanks, then you Charlie. have to ask. I, you have to I, honestly I, answer, Jimmy. And that's just I, the reality. I, I did. I did. Yeah. I did. It was a yeah, lovely yeah. day with my family. That's the short answer. Okay, let's talk about the Mexican <laughs> national team. They just hired a new manager, an Argentinian named Diego Coca, who was in charge of Tigres for five games, Mm -hmm. and then he left to take this job. Prior to that, though, he was in charge of Atlas, and he won the Apertura in 2021 and the the Cluster in 2022 with Atlas, and he was named Liga MA Keys Best Manager for the 2021-22 season. Now, when he won the Apertura in 2021, that was the team's first title since 1951. So it was a very big deal for Atlas to make that happen. They were were considered somewhat of the Tottenham of Mexico, kind of the nearly team, always choke it. And uh, he got them over the line. So there's something about him. And 50-year-old. Um, Argentine. Argentine. Played in Argentina. Played in Mexico in his playing career. Coached in Argentina first before coming over to Mexico as well. He already talked about earlier. There's some, there's some about bringing Carlos Vela back into the team. So that's, or at least having a call with him to see if he's interested. Getting some of that creative spark that maybe they were missing throughout. What what do we think about this hire? I don't know. Heath, why don't you go first on this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, a, a different point of view, right? And I'm sure in Mexico, they were just going through the biggest names that they could think of, just like we are, which is like, who are the 10 biggest managers in the world that could coach this prestigious national team called Mexico with the quality that they have? But I actually like this as, and, and again, I know it's speculative, but the idea of bringing a Vela back, a Chicharito, if he's still informed, these kinds of things that I think would have been hard otherwise, but to bring somebody else who can have a fresh start and kind of rebuild during this period where, Again, I guess the pressure is high on Mexico based on 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 World Cup results, based on you know U.S. Mexico rivalry and things like that regionally. But I'm not against it, and it's kind of that hiring opened my eyes up to thinking differently about our national team manager. Uh, of course, again, we have a we have to have a process. Of course, I want Jose Mourinho. Of course, I want Pep Guardiola when City dropped to the fourth division. But like, <laughs> I, I I I am thinking differently potentially about. Well, not potentially. I'm thinking differently on what could be a good option that maybe we're not thinking. I don't have any names like off what? the top of yeah, my head. Say, yeah, come on. Now. Um, but uh, I, I would guess that this is probably a, a pretty good return on your investment if you're a betting man and and, and picked him uh, early on after the World Cup. Now, Charlie, this is an interesting hire. 
Yes. And, and to take some of what he said there, this is the, this is going into the 2026 World Cup that you're co-hosting. So this has got to be a significant name. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that we're taking our time and not rushing into anything. Mm-hmm. Now, there was obviously they were very close to Marcelo Bielsa. He's now available. We can get into that maybe at a different time if that gets closer for the U.S.'s perspective. But what I wanted to focus on was the fact that they hired someone from their domestic league to take over their national team. If that happened here. There, I think I there'd just be people who lose their goddamn minds. They just lose their minds if we hire yes. somebody from MLS. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say one, he's a proven manager in that domestic league, he, and he's not Mexican, mm. right? So, mm-hmm. if we had a foreign manager in MLS that was proven, won MLS cups. That would have been Tata Martino. times, yeah. which we tried to get, and yeah. he chose Mexico. No, no, no. We didn't try to get him, apparently. Oh, I thought we... we I, because talk, I heard we, it because he couldn't speak Spanish. They didn't want in... Ah, uh, okay. English. All yeah, right. They wanted English. Yeah. Well, that's, what they're te- that's what they're saying. Right. Which which I think is... Yeah, we, we, we know. We, we know it wasn't... I mean, they were just holding it for Greg. Yeah. Because Jay was well, in charge. Yeah. At, at this point, I just think we know where we are right now. And we know the potential of this group. If you look at Morocco, we have every right to be in a semifinal if Morocco can get to a semifinal. If South Korea in 2002 gets to a semifinal, there's no reason why with our player pool in 2026, we're not in the semifinals. That should be the goal. That, that should be the goal. Now, if you're looking at managers that can get us to that goal, there, there aren't too many domestically, in my opinion. If you're looking at American managers, probably Jesse Marsh is at the top of American managers. I think for this group, because a majority of them play in Europe, you need a foreign manager that that has some clout, that has has a proven track record at trophies and winning. And with this group, you 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 go out and try and get the best manager you can for this mm-hmm, group. Mm-hmm. And, and there are a number out there, and it's probably gonna they're probably already attached to a club, uh, except for like a Yugi Love, but. You, you make an attractive offer for an attra- attractive project and you try and get the best manager you can. For Mexico, this makes sense. They're in the wrong direction. So someone who's proven in, in terms of like the Mexican media, he's he's the guy. I don't think anyone's out there being like, ooh, we don't want him because he's taken Atlas to a whole, a whole nother level. Yeah, so- but you still got to believe that there's still a large fan base that's like, what are we doing? You know, <laughs> like, where did this come from? Because there's also a belief in in corruption in Mexico and there being a lot of things that happen under the table mm-hmm. that we've seen historically in the past across a lot of league in the world where a fan uh, of, of Liga Mekis or the national team feels a bit skeptical. You see, again, the Vela situation. You see the Chicharito situations over time. You see a lot of these sort of controversies that take place that, uh, I mean, I, I would assume there's still a large fan base that's like either wait and see or just like, what are we doing? Like this, that, what, why, why did we do this? You know? Well, I agree with that. I mean, that's going to be, I think, wherever you go, unless yeah. it's so unanimous that like a Pep Guardiola is going to come in. Holy crap, we definitely take that guy. And even he might not be the right fit for this specific group of players. What I do like about him, to your point, Charlie, is that with Atlas, he did something that hadn't been done for so long, over 60 years. So he got a team to, one, believe in themselves and maybe in some ways to overachieve. And it wasn't just a one-off. He did it again in the Clausura in 2022. So, so he built something sustainable as well. Well, what about Steve Trundolo then? Listen, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a big Steve Trundolo. Uh, I think it's yes. timing. He hasn't had enough time. Mm-hmm. That, that's the only thing working against Trundolo. I think he's got everything else. He's ticking every other box. But he has to prove that over – Like, that's why with Diego Coca, he did it in the Aperture in 21, and then did it again in the cluster in 2022. If so LAFC, if, if, if LAFC yes. can win it again this year, yeah, then, then you, you can start to see something, right? There's more consistency yeah. in, in Steve and it's not just a one-off. We all know what Steve's about. I, there's, there's no big surprise to us that he's having success as a coach, but he has to, to demonstrate that over a long time. But those were his time. first trophies as a manager after 15 years. And again, I know winning trophies is extreme. Like, I don't want to underplay the difficulties of winning any trophy anywhere. Like, it is extremely, extremely hard. And most places are, you are dealing with a different financial structure that if you're not one of the favorites, it is hard. And and like you said, that's Atlas is not the highest paying, you know, team. And, and they were able to do it twice, which I agree with. But um, yeah, just as a counter argument to, no, that's to, fair. to that. That's yeah. fair. Oh, Chuck. I was, I was just going to say, he's, he's not ready yet. I, I don't think he's had enough time. For a U.S. men's national team coach, I don't think you can have an international coach who hasn't had 
let's say at the top level, at least 10 years of experience because of all the egos you have to deal with, all the ins and outs of, of managing a team. I think it needs to be proven over Plus, a long, a long course of, of a, of a contract nope, over nope. time. And so yeah. for, for him, it's great that he started at, at the highest level winning an MLS cup in his first season. But what does year three, year four, year five look like? That's what I would be interested in. And then if if he's shown that he can navigate those waters well, then he has every Jimmy, right to be the yeah. next U.S. down the line. Yeah, Jimmy, let me let me ask you this question. Do you think then, I mean, we, we talk about this, like our the president of our country is very old, right? The actual president of, of our country is very old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When we look at uh when we look at this manager for Mexico. In his early fifties, right? 50, 51, 50, whatever it is. 50. 50, uh, 51 based on on Sorry. on on um okay. Wikipedia, which we know is always true. There's never been one wrong <laughs> thing on there. Um uh, do you think that that's a sweet spot of of managerial age? Like, is that the range? Like, do you think that's taken into consideration of like one thing's experience, one thing's head coaching experience, another thing's national team coaching experience, but also just like a life in the game where you talk about like if you look at the three of us, right, and you look at the skills you've developed as a player, as a person, and now the skills you've developed after your career, you've equipped yourself with a number of things to step into most environments, right, and and be able to whether lead or do or accomplish. Like, do you think that there's an age range of manager? I mean, it's kind of a stupid question, but like, I, I it think, is taken I, into consideration in most fields. You know? I know exactly where you're going with this, and I think for a club, it's it's much different than international and. I think if if you're looking at international managers, Spain in 2010, Del Bosque. I mean, he was what in his 60s, maybe mm-hmm. late 50s. Um, Scolari with Brazil, he was definitely in his 60s, late 50s. I just think there's a level of professionalism that you gain and an understanding and experience that you wouldn't be able to manage an international team at such a young age. I mean, if you you look at uh, Byron Munich right now. I mean, he started what he he get his head coaching job at 30. Julian Nagelsmann. Yeah. 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 Was it? Yeah. But internationally, I don't think Germany would even think have him in, in as a, a candidate for, for that position just because of longevity. You need time. I think, I think this might sound counterintuitive, but I think what we're dancing around is that we need managers that have suffered. Like they have to have gone through the ups and downs of being a coach so they know how to, as you said, navigate the high seas of what that looks like and dealing with egos when things aren't going exactly right. And how do you get the team to regain control in the middle of a game? What's your in-game management? I mean, we even see um, why I'm blanking on his name right now. The, the, the Dutch manager who who beat us in the well, – I can't think of Van, his name right Van now. Van Hal. Yeah, Van Hal, yeah. Louis Van Hal, right? He's of a certain age too and, and has been around. And – I yeah, just thought- there's an argument right here in the chat, chat Jimmy Scaloni. I think he is one in a million. So he's the and outlier. he also he's had outlier in this. Lionel Messi, right? So <laughs> there, there's a big difference between Scaloni managing Argentina without Lionel Messi and, and Scaloni managing We've Argentina. We got the Medford Messi, Messi, though. We got the Medford we Messi. We do. We do. Who no, didn't I play? Want, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he did. And every time he comes on for Saving leagues recently, they give up goals. But that's a conversation for after the break when we get into our Americans abroad. All right, let's pivot now, though, to Jesse Marsh. Let's talk about managers because apparently he held talks uh, yesterday or earlier today uh, as they stepped up for Southampton, as they stepped up for their search for a manager because they let go of Nathan Jones, who was in charge for 94 days. Apparently, Southampton are understood to have admired his high-pressing style with with in the Red Bull mentality and and with Ralph Husenhuddle, who was also in charge of Southampton for four years, uh, he he's also comes from the RB and Red Bull group and Red Bull mentality and philosophy. So that wouldn't be maybe too hard for the players to adapt to it, given that who hasn't Husenhuddle. I can't say names right now. Uh, is was in charge to start the season. Now Marsh has remained in the UK. I don't know if he was waiting for this to come up so so quickly. But um, I think it would be pretty interesting for Marsh to be rehired a week after he got fired when you had a Steven Gerrard out there. You have a Frank Lampard out there, guys that I think are actively looking for their next job as well. And for Jesse Marsh to get the nod over those guys. But mm-hmm. I think there was a clear sense of style of play that maybe Southampton are attracted to. And, and from what I understand, and somebody can verify this for me, either listening, hit us up at ISWTPod on Twitter or here in the YouTube chat. 
The Leeds were the single most harshly penalized club in the league by VAR, costing them a net of minus five points. And they were very close in a lot of games, and I always thought they had a good game plan against the top clubs. I think the issue with Jesse Marsh is when a team sits back against them, they don't really like, what are we supposed to do? (laughs) Like, we have to possess the ball right now. Possession isn't really the same in MLS. The same thing happened in MLS. We teams that played the Red Bulls would drop, sit, and counter every time. And if Red Bulls weren't fortunate to get that early goal to force you out and, and, then you have to all, all of a sudden start taking the initiative. Then they were they struggled in a, in a lot of cases because they they didn't they weren't a team that possessed the ball. They didn't keep the ball. And when I look at the U.S. Men's National Team, some people may say we just want to win. We don't care. But we all know we want to see a team that's that's dynamic and and keeps the ball and knows how to dominate possession, knows how to win games, of course, but is attractive to watch. It's not lump the ball forward and just win the ball in the final third and score. Nope. No one wants to see that. It, it really wasn't attractive. So, you know, in terms of, of being a little bit more dynamic with the style of play, I don't think he has to be tied to that system. I, I know that system got him there, but I think it's time where you start to realize, okay, I like bits and pieces of this philosophy, but maybe this is where you start to expand and, and grow as a manager and, and trying different styles with the players that you have. Well, wasn't that a little bit of, of, of the criticism at Leipzig was that it was an iterative Gagan press. It wasn't a traditional Gagan press. It was like, uh, you know, his own spin on, on how it was implemented. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that actually in a good way is of his willingness to think differently, right? You have to be able to evolve because in the same way that that, that has become a very, not sexy, but a very popular style of play. The game is going to continue to iterate because teams are going to figure that out. And when you're fighting at the bottom of the Premier League, where you can't get those five points that Jimmy mentioned, where you can't sit comfortably in the middle of the table, it's really hard because the teams that you're playing against are going to, you're, you're giving up possession to, and then the teams that you're battling at the bottom of the table are happy to play it just like in a, in a, in a championship game, right? Lump that ball in the box, create chaos, and really challenge your organizational structure that may have relied upon we are the small fish playing against the, the big one who's going to have possession. We want to press high up the field, win the ball in dangerous areas, and go to goal. Okay, so what I find interesting is whether everybody listening, watching, believes that Jesse Marsh should wait to see about the U.S. soccer job. I don't think, given my conversation with him when I went to go to Leeds, he didn't, the timing at that particular moment, obviously, had just beaten Chelsea 3-0. Everybody, everything's on a big high when I showed up. I could see why he's like, I'm not even thinking about the U.S. men's national team or Greg Berhalter. Even when we saw press conferences before the World Cup, he's, he's like the farthest thing from his mind. He's just focused on his club. I get the sense he's going to take the Southampton job if it's available. I agree. But do you think he should wait, Charlie? Because this U.S. soccer job ahead of the, this World Cup mm-hmm. is significant. It's a significant World Cup. Well, let's just put it this way. And, and you're sitting at the bottom of the Premier League with 15 points. How many people actually think he could save this club and get them out of promotion. It, it's almost a, if you don't do it, you, were, you weren't expected to do it. But if you do do it, I think there's a lot of upside. And you might be known as that manager that can just save clubs from relegation. And that's not the, not the best, uh, I think, bucket to be a part of, but it's definitely not the worst. Right. Knowing that clubs, anytime they're in a situation like this, they're dropping points, they're, they're in a struggle. You know, if they're floating with the relegation, they're like, hey, Jesse Marsh, we, we got to hire him. He, he, we know he can get us, get the most out of these players in a short amount of time. So, uh, I, and, and he proved it last year, keeping leads up. Yeah, and he, and he, does a, he, does a, he does a great job with youth. Southampton has one of the best youth academies in the world. So he's, he's going to have, did, and and still produce players. Or known players. for, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's a job that you take. If if I'm in Jesse Marsh's shoes, I'm taking the job. It's You're still in the Premier League. You have a chance. You're at the bottom. The expectations are pretty low. And if you rise above it and you get Southampton out, Absolute you're only legend. four points. You're a legend. Yeah, you're a legend. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so you're Take four it. points behind Leeds, Heath. So in some ways, if he takes the job, he could help Southampton stay up and potentially relegate his former club, which would be uh, I mean, <laughs> quite the saucy narrative. Yeah. That would be I, saucy. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 remember, I remember, and I may have mentioned this before, but I remember talking to – you know, Dax McCarty and Sasha and other guys that played for Jesse, um, who obviously love love Jesse and their roles with him, like you do any manager that that empowers your role or 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 helps you. 
but there was he was he was seemingly and this was you know seven seven eight years ago i guess maybe or maybe five years ago whatever it was i guess it'd have to be five years ago um but it was it was that the way in which he empowered players created trust he had these like leadership groups of empowering players to be accountable to have a voice and say in things and obviously we know that's a dangerous game when you open up to to thoughts and opinions that maybe don't come from um the right perspective or you have to take that into mind but i i I do think, like Charlie said, that could be a good role for him, right? It's like coming in here, lighting this fire, motivating this team, getting them to believe in themselves. Because if you remember when you came in and, and did it last year, it was a lot about like getting them to believe how good they are, right? And that was sort of the narrative, which is like, we're making a few adjustments, but we're not changing this team. It's not because these guys aren't good enough to play in the Premier League. We have to change the mentality and get them to believe how good they are. And I don't remember the exact quote that he had, but did a number of narratives or interviews when they started to get points about like, this is what it's about. It's like getting them to believe in themselves and it sounds silly, but it's what saved them, you know, well, now they're back in that fight again, but it saved them millions and millions of dollars to keep them in the league on the final day. Last I, th season. I think the quote was just believe he had believe um, as they were leaving the locker room. Interesting. Well, Jesse Marsh news, obviously we'll keep everybody up to date on the latest with him and, and the decisions he's going to make and how that impacts the rest of U.S. soccer, most specifically the U.S. men's national team head coaching job, which still needs a sporting director and a general hey, manager and all that good stuff. Jimmy, yes. one last thing. Shoot. I, I do think it's a – what I do like is that it is a sign of the respect for managers that we are now starting to develop that he's instantly linked. Now, whether it happens or not or whatever is different, but like he's now played at enough clubs. We talk about national team coach or whatever experience. He's now linked to another club, right? Whereas before we saw with with Bob Bradley, yes, he went to another club, but as soon as he was out, there was no discussion of like what happens next. You know, like he was never really given a, a long enough window. They didn't get the results, and he was out, and that was the end of that 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 run. Whereas I think Jesse is is paving that way for him to be a career Premier League or 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 top high level managers and top yeah. leagues in Europe manager, which which I don't think we've you know again we have we have a couple Matarazzo and we've got Wagner, but. Do we think that if he takes a Southampton job and it doesn't go well, that would slow down people's interest in in hiring him? Maybe, I mean, that's that's the risk, maybe, always, right? Maybe, maybe take a I don't think people's, but Premier League certainly. I don't think he gets another shot if if he can't figure out where he fits into the conversation. But we've seen managers. You know, uh, that could mean that he settles into being a championship manager for a few years, get a team back up, and maybe you're back in that conversation again, right? You got to go and and prove something. I think at that point, within within regards of the, I guess the top two divisions in England. That's my opinion, anyway, Charlie. Yeah, I think it's he he will prove himself if he takes this job, he gets hired, and he keeps them up. I think he's he's always going to be considered for Premier League uh, positions. So it's, right. it's 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 a it's a I don't think there's a big risk in taking this this job, but there's a high reward. That's that's for certain. And that's all you can ask for. He's he's trying to prove himself over there. You get another opportunity than Prem, you take it. You, and you timing. absolutely take it. And and it's not it's not like an yeah, impossible job. You're you're only four points out of out of a out of the relegation. So if he believes in the players that they have, that he goes, I can win with this group, then you then you take this job. Okay, well, using the phrase he believes to talk about she believes, the she's, she believes cup is coming up for the U.S. Mm. women's national team, and uh, Brazil's in it, Japan's in it, and Canada's in it. And I want to speak about Canada. We'll get into Americans abroad after the break, but but on Saturday, the, the Canada women's national team sat out training after them and some members of the men's national team expressed fresh concerns. This is uh, some language here from The Athletic, our friends there with the country's Federation Canada Soccer. Now, apparently this comes because they're in the midst of a CBA negotiation and they've reached a point of quote-unquote crisis. Now, this is from the midfielder who plays for Chelsea as well for the women's team, Jesse Fleming, and she said this on Instagram. There are two larger issues that exist within Canada soccer, and I want your guys' thoughts on this. One is poor governance financial mismanagement, lack of transparency, and the widely reported deal between Canada Soccer and Canada Soccer Business. Now, apparently these two entities were very similar to Soccer United Marketing and MLS and U.S. Soccer. Kind of has similar uh, vibes to that. And Canada Soccer Business ensures that the national programs, or sorry, the widely reported deal between Canada Soccer and Canada Soccer Business, I'm back to Jesse Fleming's words, ensures that the national programs do not benefit from the increased investment in the sports. Now, this is me say, he's saying and hearing that I heard that there's sponsors that want to come in and help 
and and start to fill these gaps for the demands that the women are making, that the men are making. And apparently these people, these sponsors are being told no. That's just something else I heard. Okay, number two, back to Jesse Fleming. Gender inequality. In the last two years, there have been significant funding discrepancies between women's and men's national programs. Both women's and men's national programs have received significant budget cuts in 2023, which affects our ability to properly prepare for the upcoming Women's World Cup and starves our youth programs of funding. We're not asking for money that does not exist in our organization. We are asking for, one, the same opportunity to perform, and two, the necessary changes within the organization to ensure financial sustainability moving forward, ultimately supporting both the senior national teams and youth development. And that is very well said, Jesse Fleming. You guys have any thoughts on this? Heath, I'll come to you first as uh, kind of our business expert with your Four Soccer Ventures hat. Put your Four Soccer Ventures hat on. Let's talk talk to us about this business stuff. What's going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about. Um, I, I don't know. I I don't know anything about what you had mentioned from the speculation around like sponsors not being able to to enter that but i i certainly know that there were comments made around the equality between the men and the women and we know that we've gone through this in the u.s and i and Mm -hmm. and by the way i think this is i think the u.s women and what they've done for the women's side of the sport is what's prompting these changes everywhere now right we we go back to 2019 when everybody talked about the discrepancy between the u.s and thailand and a 13-0 win and the controversies around that and fair play and whatever and the response to that was that we are bringing exposure, right? We are bringing uh, exposure to these types of things so that Thailand should be able to go back and ask for more funding. And you don't do that in, in that sort of direct way. But like Canada now are, are now having an opportunity from the springboard to be able to raise these issues that exist. And and I think it was Jor- Jordan Wiedema. I don't remember exactly how to pronounce her name. Um, she had posted basically the, the financials of of these things, and you could see the discrepancies. You could see uh, the, the 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 vast differences, and it's not that they don't have uh, financials, but they just need to be professionalized in a lot of ways too, right? We uh, you go back to the World Cup, and they didn't submit things for the they didn't have a, a content ready for the Men's World Cup. They didn't have a, a special their only team in the World Cup, I think maybe one other that didn't have a specialized jersey made for the World Cup because they didn't follow the protocols of getting those things in. All these types of things, it's just like very far behind. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with these players and, and wanting one transparency and two, um, those, those, those basic equalities that, that should exist at this point for a team, especially the Canadian women's team who are always one of the best in the world. And the reigning Olympic gold medalists, they won it in 21 for the 2020 Olympics and, and the men qualified for their first uh, world cup in 36 years. Charlie, I mean, the things are on the up and up. They have their own domestic league as well. Everything is pointing in the right direction, but it doesn't seem like all of the money or, or just some transparency is being shared with the players who are working so hard to put Canada soccer on the map. And it's got to be extremely frustrating. So it's not like we're talking about this emerging team that just kind of needs that funding to get going. They've already established themselves as one of the best national teams, at least on the women's side, and obviously uh, a threat to be reckoned with on the men's side. Well, for decades, the women uh, of, of Canada have been bringing it. They've always been a, a team that you have to respect, uh, competing for trophies. It was just the men as of late. Now with the World Cup coming in 2026 and them and them having games, that Canada soccer has really exploded. I mean, Alfonso Davies kind of led the charge with that transfer fee to Bayern Munich. Vancouver Whitecaps getting all that attention. And then And then it's just been a huge springboard ever since then all these players now playing in europe and not only playing in europe having success Mm -hmm. being a vital part of their club team success jonathan david at lille uh tejan buchanan at club bruges um it it, at porto so you you starting to see all these players along with atiba hutchinson who's been doing it for for decades um it's it's just a team now that you see they need the support from the country i think like Heath said, the U.S. women have have put a a basically a blueprint of how to go about and and create change and equality. And so now that they have a a platform, that I think the Canadian men are doing the same thing. They're supporting the women, and that's mm-hmm. the only way you're going to get change. There is having both sides come together to say this is not right. Things have to change, and unfortunately, I don't think they're they're changing at the the rate that needs to that it needs to. Okay, so just to catch up, everybody, they sat out that Saturday practice, but they have now been forced back to work for the short term. 
This is from Christine Sinclair, who is arguably the best women's player of all time, the captain of Canada and the heart and soul of that national team for many years. She says, this is not over. We will continue to fight for everything we deserve and we will win. The She Believes Cup is being played in protest. And the reason why they got forced back is because due to some Ontario law, wherever they filed their suit or wherever this is ongoing with the collective bargaining agreement, they didn't follow the proper protocols or didn't get them in time or haven't received the information that they need to like successfully um, strike. So, so they have to kind of wait for that documentation to show up before they can officially do it. So they're being quote unquote forced back to work, or I, I'm going to say add the quotes, take them off. They're being forced back to work. So they're going to play in this and they need these games. When you look at it just from that being sharp for the women's world cup, for them to play against the U.S., their big rivals, of course, and Brazil and Japan, those are three legitimate games to really know what your player pool is all about. Apparently, though, they don't have enough budget to bring as big of a team as they'd like, so they couldn't fly out as many players as they wanted. That's just one example of what's happening for the women's national team and I assume for the men as well. So that is something we'll keep everybody posted on, of course, because it does impact the 2026 World Cup and has implications on how uh, our federation is working as well. But we're going to take our first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, we're going to talk some Americans abroad, so don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome uh, back, everybody, to In Soccer uh, We Trust. If you're watching yes. on the YouTubes, a very sensual video about the Champions, Champions League returning on February 14th. Now, what's crazy is the group stages happened back and finished in November, or prior to that. They crammed them all in for those six group games. And since then, we've had a World Cup and a transfer window. So a lot has changed since we first or lasted the Champions League, and now it comes back in the knockout rounds. We've got some tasty matchups. And don't miss a second of the action from this greatest club competition on earth. Make sure you follow the biggest stars around the world, like Lionel Messi, Karim Benzema, Victor Osiman, who's crushing it at Napoli, the Nigerian nightmare, and Erling Haaland, as they try to clinch the most prestigious prize in the game. Stream every match from the Champions League live only on Paramount Plus, and you can try one month free with the promo code ADVANCE. A little different than Serie A. You can go with ADVANCE, all right? We want to give you one month free of the Champions League, so sign up and make that happen. All right, boys, let's get into uh, Americans Abroad because Leeds got to play against Manchester United twice last week. And one was a 2-0 lead that they dropped 2-2 at Old Trafford, and they were 0-0, and they lost 2-0 at Ellen Road, the 80th and 85th minutes, respectively. Unfortunately, Brendan Aronson came on as a super sub for Jack Harrison for the second consecutive game. And when that's happened, <laughs> they've given up goals and either dropped the points or lost completely. I don't know if that says anything about him in particular, but uh, it's not a good look. McKinney started. Tyler started, of course. Those guys are rocking it in midfield and definitely putting their stamp on things, but it wasn't enough to get the result. Charlie Davies, come to you first. Talk to me about leads. What happens now? Well, the, what happens now is the grind Survival remains. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still desperation for, for these players. I think Weston McKinney is adjusting to the Premier League well, I think he understands playing Man United back-to-back -back games is is probably there's no better introduction into the English Premier League. So now it's this team just figuring out ways to stop leaking goals and then capitalizing. Um, I mean, it's the the same issue remains. They have to score goals. Patrick Bamford has to miraculously come back and start scoring goals when he gets opportunities. And they need a nine who can one hold up the ball and, and play other players in, into the final third, but also one who's going to get on the end of crosses and score goals. So that's the same issue remains. Okay. Now Heath, let's just keep going on these. Cause we got mm -hmm. a lot of players to digest. I, I did want to bring up 
Ricardo Pepe because his Gronigan just got got crushed 6-0 by PSV. And even though he played the majority of the game, he's got a team now that's in the relegation zone. Now, I know he's on loan, so he's not really married to Gronigan and, and their future, per se. But, yeah, I mean, not only him, too. Yunus Musa with Valencia losing in another relegation scrap. Could be a good opportunity for some European clubs to get these guys for a good price, assuming that things don't go well for the respective clubs at the moment. Yeah, I think Ricardo Pepe would be fine. Obviously, he's just got to he's got to score goals, you know, and it gets a lot harder the deeper you get into these relegation battles because it, it becomes more desperate. I've been in a relegation battle. We had good goal scores, but when the style of play becomes a little bit um, more of a survival one. You rely less on how you're going to get goals and and it just turns chaotic, right? And I'm not inside their locker room, so I don't know, but it makes it a lot more uh, difficult. Having said that, you score a goal, you're, you're a hero. But it seems like throughout the season when he does score, their teams often lose um, or or don't get, get results. He had a couple heroic efforts uh, this season, but generally they've been in the thick of this. I think he'll learn a lot from it. Um, unfortunately now Augsburg is like nice and safe, uh, in, in, in the Bundesliga without him, but I think he'll get a good move. And then Yunus Musa, I mean, I, I remember it just being last year, maybe it was last season, maybe it was early this season of, of, of Valencia being in a de- decent spot, but now, you know, completely different. She could, okay. could, could be, could, could get an exit for, I mean, I think his price yeah. tag was already pretty low, but like, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting. Obviously we keep everybody, uh, up to date on all these players. Yunus Musa. Loss again, played 69 minutes this week against Athletic. Valencia not in a good way, in a bit of a downward spiral. The fans are coming out to protest the owner and whatever he's doing. They 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 strongly dislike this this owner. Maybe hate could be a little bit too strong, but they strongly dislike him. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side, Luca De La Torre got another great run for Celta, Celta Vigo, but they ended up losing 1-0 to Atletico Madrid. But he, again, and, and this is a we talked about the, the teams he's getting runouts against. Betis, Athletic, Atletico Madrid. I mean, these are proper teams, and he's holding his own and looking solid out there, Charlie. I've been pretty excited to see his his development as as a player and just the confidence that he continues to gain game in and game out. Yeah, it, it takes time to adjust to a new league, new team, especially from the Eredivisie in, in Holland. So you, you have to be pleased with how he's made his uh, a name for himself within that squad. And it's pushing, it's growing, it's adapting. And it looks like he's really, I think, fitting in with, with this midfield group. So I think for Della Torre, it's just continuing to get reps and you know show your quality so that other teams across Europe um, will eventually start you know, rating you and, and want to bring you to their team. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I am curious about mm-hmm. De La Torre. And we, we had a conversation about him in a previous podcast. Taylor Booth is another one that we talked about. Uh, he played in two games this past week. Played 65 minutes in Utrecht's 2-0 loss to Vitesse, but had 89 minutes in a 2-1 win at AZ in the Dutch Cup. Now, unfortunately, on AZ is a Georgi Mihalovic. He was injured and did not play in that one, which is a little bit of a disappointment. Richie Ledesma, who we've talked about, is someone who's still on the radar and should be on the radar. Unfortunately, he was in the 18 for both games this week and didn't play in either one of them. That's unfortunate. He plays for PSV. Uh, I want to go to France, though, because... There's a couple of players to discuss here. Eric Palmer Brown plays center back for us. Trois is his, is his French club. And they lost 4-0 to Rance. Now, on Rance is this, this kid, 21-year-old, Fuller and Balogun, who we still are trying to... That's like our, our purpose in 2023 is to get Balogun mm-hmm. to play for the U.S. men's national team and commit to us instead of England, because he can. Yeah, after we got Copa America, our he's, next... He's got it. Listen, yeah. he scored again in this game, Keith. Mm-hmm. And... He now leads Liga on goals with 15. I just yeah. throwing that out there. There's some really good players. You know, you got Mbappe, you got Neymar, you got they're all on one team and Messi and all this. But he is leading Liga with 15 goals. That is awesome. And that makes me feel like England is definitely going to put their their nails into him and not let him go. But but and then you have Timo Weah who played for Lille and started in their 2-0 win versus Strasbourg. And he played left back. So yeah. so I just wanted to talk about some players that we have in France because it's all popping off. Yeah, it's incredible. And again, the Balogun one is going to be up to him of like, I'm guessing it's going to be decided on wherever he makes his move this summer, right? Um, And that will dictate the odds, I believe, of in the the short term or long term, him having a future with 
the national team. So if he makes a, a big move to a big club and can 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 get to that level, then then he could play for England. Uh, but again, we've talked about it before. Maybe it's maybe it's worth the the potential three caps he gets or the potential seventy caps he gets, depending on where he goes. But for the U.S., that was the sell with Yunus Musa is the team, the youth of the team. He's going to be the same age group as most of the guys uh, that are building our national team culture right now, that are building the results, and that could be a a, a ten year project, including hosting a World Cup. So I think there's some real attractive nature to it, and I think we are just at a point where we offer a pretty nice proposition, especially for a team that. You know, Balogun, you could call him deep-lying striker as well or whatever position you want to put him into. He's a goal scorer, and he's showing that. And so I think him looking at our national team on paper, you're like, oh, yeah, there's a spot for me right here, and I could own this spot for a decade if, if I perform. I got to hear from our resident number nine, Charlie Davies, on this because not only is it Balogun playing for the U.S. or England, but there's talk about Mikel Arteta bringing him back to Arsenal. I don't know if they have room for him, so he might be on the move once again to Heath's point. But mm -hmm. I, 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 his future is incredibly bright, and when he plays with confidence, like he is currently, he's he feels unplayable. Well, he just looks like he'd be the perfect complement to to our attacking trio, to our midfield. He's dynamic. He can he can score goals, one, but he's comfortable with the ball at his feet. We we need. He's like the missing piece. He is literally the missing piece. So I'm really interested to see. What what is the the line of communication with him? How how many times have we reached out to his representatives? Have we had a conversation about potentially making the switch? If I'm putting myself in his shoes, and I feel so strongly about England, I've played with the youth national teams. I know all the players. I want to prove to myself that I'm good enough to play there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're going to take that time. You're going to say, "All right, I'm going to keep working because I've come this far. I'm not going to turn my back now." So to so to speak, uh, on my country that I feel the most cl close close to and the most pride for. But you also have to be a, a realistic striker, a realistic player. And Harry Kane's not going anywhere. They only play with one striker. I and think we got to get on the show, man. Knowing get knowing, the, show. knowing the the project right now that you could be the main striker for the U.S. Men's National Team, as long as you stay healthy and you keep you keep striving to you know, maximize your potential that you could be balling with your boy, Eunice Musa. You could be playing with Christian Pulisic. You can play with Timo Wea and Wes McKinney and Tyler Adams and, and Luca Del Torre and Brendan Aronson, all these players who play in Europe, who have, who have an immense amount of potential like yourself, young right. world cup coming. Why wouldn't you mm -hmm. say, Hey, this is what I want to do. I think it comes with obviously convincing. You have to have someone who's got a good sales pitch. Um, so give me a call, whatever you need us soccer. But uh, I think that's that's just literally the player we're missing. We are missing that player in this pool to get us over the hump. I can't wait for us to get him on the show, and that that's how I want you to plead to him. Okay, <laughs> we, we're missing you. We're we, missing we are missing you. you. We are you are the missing piece to this puzzle for us to have tremendous. What's it gonna take? What's what's it gonna I, take? I can also tell you that like nobody um, from a, a, a club called Reams is is going to be a a regular in the England national team. There is a connection to club size uh, to play at a national team like that. Now, club size is all relative because you have smaller, uh, I'm using air quotes here, clubs in England that players are in the national team. Uh, and you have, uh, you know, we have uh, World Cup winners that play for, for Brighton. You know what I mean? So it's not that. But when I think about a striker for England, I don't think other than maybe Wayne Rooney for coming to the U.S., you're not going to get call-ups uh, playing another season at that level of club, right? He's going to have to go. He might get a call-up, but to be in, he's going to have to be a goal scorer at a big club because it is England. It's the English national team. They 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 have options and they have depth, you know? Right. And, hey, interesting and, times. And, and interesting Ivan times. It, it's, it's just he's a player that we just don't have. We – you could say Tyler Adams, for instance, um, uh, any center back that we have. You could say, okay, we, you know, we could maybe find someone like him. You know, Weston McKinney, uh, Tyler Adams, that mold. We we make a lot of players in in our country. We make a lot of players like that. Athletic can cover a lot of space, not to that level, not as as good as a Tyler Adams, but those are the players that we can make in this country, and we we have a lot of them. As far as attacking players that can score goals, that can beat you 1v1, 
that have that real sense of timing and understanding. Just they're different. They stand out. You look at them and say, okay, we don't have too many players like this in this country. Okay. That's why we we need a player like him. We need that to, to kind of I hope, I hope you're like him. you're sending this. Can we clip this off, producer Alex, <laughs> and send this to, to Balogun so he sees it directly? Okay, okay. So a couple more stories, and then we'll send everybody on their way. We look forward to having you join us again on Thursday for Thursday's podcast. Unfortunately, yeah. Charlie is flying away to do some stuff for the Champions League and Europa League in London. We're so proud of him. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about this. Tim Ream, 35 years old, Fulham, 2-0 win this past weekend against not Nottingham Forest. He leads all players in the Premier League, outfield players, not goalkeepers, in minutes in the Premier League played. 35. The guy's having his best year at the age of 35. Obviously, he was tremendous for us in the World Cup as well and an incredible just success story, I guess, in terms of perseverance and longevity and taking care of himself both on and off the field. Do you bring him in now? Do you is he the guy? Do, do we continue to play him? Yes, yes. I'm just saying, I'm just having that as a conversation it, because that's not, that's not even a conversation. But, as but, long but as did he's you take playing in the Premier League and starring I, in the Premier I, League? I, I get he that. has to be called he's in. He's not playing for us in the 2026 World Cup. Okay. Maybe not even in the Copa America. So why not give those minutes to other guys? Listen, I'm a Tim Ream fan. I would love to continue to see him play. It's an incredible story. We 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 see the Ronaldos and Messi's and these old guys, Thiago Silva. For Brazil, like you get these old defenders that have just been around, they they know what to do, and they just have this coolness and calmness about them, which I think permeates to the rest of the players and keeps everybody else cool and calm. I want him involved, but just as a conversation piece, do you think it's in the best interest of the program and for our younger center backs to miss out on those minutes? That's all I wanted. I just want to have that conversation. Yeah, and I would say yes, because across the world, if you're good enough to play, no matter your age, you're still playing. It, it literally would be up to Tim Ream to say, do I still want to continue to play international he said he, because, he said he does. Right. But typically when players get, get to that age, they say, all right, I'm not making that, that crazy travel, the flight from England to Florida to Central America. Then I got to fly back. I was doing that when I was playing in France. And I remember when I got back, I was always fatigued. I, we got back on a Thursday and or Friday. We had a game on Saturday. You're, you're thinking, how am I – how can I be at hundred percent to play in this game? And, and a lot of the times my coach would just say, you're coming on, the, you're coming off the bench. Yep. Yep. You're coming off the bench. You're not playing and you're giving another player an opportunity to take, to, to, and you've to been out run with it. You know? And most of your teams at that level uh, at social uh, or, or, or Hammerby, most of those players are still there, right? Maybe, maybe Sweden, they had some players in the national team, but like most of those players are there training. And you're giving an opening to a player to start. You're giving an opening to a player to be in that environment when you're not there. It's tough. Uh, I'm not saying that's the case with Tim Ream, but when I look about when I look at Tim Ream's age, yes, he's considerably older. But I would also say Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman aren't going to be part of the 26 roster. No. You know, yes, 29 right. and 29 and 30 respectively. They're in their they're you know tw 32, 33. Yes, they, they're up. part of that same. And so when I think about that. I think about where are our best players uh, and and how do you balance out the transition to the next generation, hoping that some step up, right? Eric Palmer Chris Brown, Richards, Chris Green. Richards. Uh, you've got, you've got again, Mark McKenzie's depending on where, where he ends up oh, on, he's, on a good he's season, in it for but sure. you have, you have all these players that you need a leader uh, that can play in, in, in that position. And is it better to have a left center back or a right center back based on the next players coming through that you can at least have that stability up the spine moving forward. I'd rather have, Tim Riemann, I think he's proven us all wrong at a certain point in, in his ability to contribute at the level that he is at this age. You're such an MLS homer picking two Premier League center backs as you're mm -hmm. starting. US. Well, no, I was going to say the comment, YouTube comment, uh, Life of Bree, he, he says, Greg played Zardis for three years. Why not use Ream in the buildup slash qualifiers? Even if We've he seen doesn't that before play, with plenty of players. Right? Yes. Yes. It's not that Tim Ream has has lowered his his standard. He's still playing in the Premier League and one of the best center backs in the league. Bring him in because this is that moment for a young center back to say, "Oh, I've I've been watching Tim Ream." That's what weekends. it should look like. This this is how you carry yourself. This is how a, a, a top center back acts in training, performs in training, reacts in training. That's that's the template. So you want players who are playing at the highest level to be involved in the camp. That's a hundred percent. Now, if Tim Ream said, ah, I'm done with ML, uh, Europe, I'm coming back to MLS and now I'm on cruise control. That's a whole different story. But if he's playing in the prem and he's playing for Fulham, and he's playing well, 
you call him up. As long as he wants to be in the program, yes, he, you, you got to call him up. Okay. I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I think that there's a lot of value on that. I just wanted to have the conversation because that could be a lot of valuable minutes that could be going and experience going to other players. But I, I am on board with and, and lifted myself. <laughs> lift, lifted on myself. I, I did. I wanted to have the conversation. I, I Listen, I already made it clear. I want Tim Ream to play. And, and I there's a lot of value there. But no, you don't. I, uh, no. I did. Uh, I do. I do. 100%. <laughs> I, I will say that the the Jimmy's angle, a four year and out player as well, not just manager. You got four years in the national team, and then you're. I out. only got one cycle, dude. <laughs> I only got one cycle, and your so players only have one I'm cycle. I'm a little bitter. Too, huh? Yeah, they okay. only got one, one cycle. You got you went He's through. Uh, I did go through part of two. two you were two. part of two cycles. I could, yeah. yeah, I was part of two cycles, but but uh, I got the door slammed shut in 2000. <laughs> it was my own doing. We don't I have mean, to get into it. I don't. Want to start no matter what or how long there, you you, you the door slammed shut. It's slam shut on your career. It's slam shut on your on your abilities, on those on those on those connections, those hookups, those comps. Uh, you know, it, it gets real. Yeah, it gets real, real quick. All right, last story: Malik Tillman. Yeah. So Rangers are playing against Partick Thistle in the Scottish Cup. The game is one-one at the time. He he himself, Malik Tillman, gets a little bit hurt. During the run of play, so they play the ball out of bounds, okay, off to the out of the sideline. And Partick Thistle, once everything's sorted out, he's fine. Go to throw the ball in, and we're going to kick it back to the defensive side of Rangers. But they were they, they were giving the ball back to Rangers. Well, the center back for Partick Thistle took a big touch. Malik Tillman runs in, steals it from him, and essentially goes in on a one v one and scores, mm-hmm. which is. Kind of an unspoken rule. You don't do that, but he did it. And now everybody wanted to fight him. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky because if you're the manager, Michael Beal of Rangers, what do you do? Because the decorum is that you, yeah, you just don't do that. And Malik Tillman did. And I, the amount, the amount of people on like the whole Partick Thistle team wanted to like fist fight him for that, which, which would, we would have done the same. I would have been super pissed. Like we're trying to give you ball, give you the ball back. That like set you no, up for one. I would have said, Hey, you, you had the ball. They threw it. You, you got you got it thrown in by your own team. You took the touch. I'm going. Go. <laughs> remember that. Remember that. Ah, dude. Hey, remember that. Now. Remember that famous commercial. It might be NCAA where it's like the ball goes out of bounds and it's the other team's ball. And he goes, Coach, I touched it last. I touched the last coach. It's yeah. their ball. That's that's what I think about when I think about Michael Beale giving the giving the goal back. Uh, we gave the goal from back. A sportsman, yes. Sportsmanship standpoint. But yeah, it is. I don't. Ha, we gave the goal back. Has, we should make has, that defined. It ended Mike up Tillman, being two two. Has he has he spoken about this yet? I like haven't that, seen I mean, any quotes from um, him yet, no. but, but the uh, guy who the guy who had the ball on the horrible team, touch, Partick, Charlie, huh? It was a big you, get, touch. you should get horrible touch. touch. It was but a when, hee-haw touch. But, at, touch. but when they went to to score the goal, and Michael Beale said, "Hey, let them score." The guy like had trouble beating the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper's kind of dick with him. Yeah, yeah. You gotta make make it look real. Make it look real. You know, it was two two, and then. To, to the delight of all of us over here, James Sands ended up uh, mm-hmm. being the one that scored the winner off a corner kick, make it 3-2. I think it deflected off a, yeah. an opponent's shoulder, but James Sands was the one that really redirected it into the goal, and that was very cool. His first goal for the club, so congratulations to James you know, Sands, and Rangers ended up winning 3-2. Yeah. to two. You know where but, that gets uh, a little real, dicey though? there. For you know where yeah. it gets real on a, on, a, on a few things. One, that player that got to go down and score, and he's got that $10,000 scoring bonus, and he got a free goal. And two, the betting lines. That shift for people that are like, oh, now, yeah, over under, yeah, the over under, or just yeah. like a, an exact score that now you've bet something that they're gonna go down and just kick it into the goal, uh, yeah. to, to level things up. And like, if you're the, it's yeah. just that's where things get a little bit, little bit dicey. That you think yeah. there were six people trying to hit Tillman. Wait till the people that lost that bet <laughs> meet him in the parking lot. Yeah, like, no hey, joke, I got a ten thousand dollar goal bonus. So yeah, yeah. you mind if I triple this, this down? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people fighting over tackling each other to get down to the goal. We'd be like, no, nah, man, this is my goal, dude. This is my goal. And, I and need this. I need this ten thousand. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Tillman now has nine goals across all competitions for Rangers this season. He's been a real uh, spark plug for them. He probably wouldn't like that nickname. That sounds kind of cheesy, but a uh, real, a real spark plug. We should get him on the, on the pod too. We should. A real guy's guy. He's a real guy's guy. A real spark plug. Got it's a lot of energy out there. Good. He's a difference maker. All right. Final thoughts from you guys. I yeah. I'll go first. I want to give a shout out to Cruz Medina, 16 year old who plays for the San Jose earthquakes played for San Francisco Glens, the, the team that I help here in USL league Two in Northern California. And he had a hat trick against Barbados in the U 17 CONCACAF 
championship. The second one was an absolute bombasso mm -hmm. from, from outside the box. He is a special player, and uh, I think we'll be talking about here him for years to come and his influence, not only in MLS and wherever he goes after that, assuming he goes, but also with the U.S. men's national team. He, he's got the sauce, and, and I'm really looking forward to yeah. seeing him. I, actually, his brother Adrian plays on the Glens with us, USL League 2 as well, so we've known his family for quite some time. And um, I just want to give a shout out to, to these kids, man. They are tremendous and uh, the future is in incredibly bright. Uh, Heath, coming to you, final thoughts. Yeah, I, I think that's I think it's awesome because so often the young players now in a first team somewhere and they're playing and you don't get to see them at their level that when they drop down and you see them go, OK, there's a gap here. There's actually some potential that we can we can be actually um, measuring in terms of the impact he might have as he gets older in the first team. But my final thoughts are just an apology to Jimmy. He, he asked a question that was user submitted on Friday and people on the internet just did not like his question, Charlie, uh, even though it was just repeating what the people wanted, you know, and, and, uh, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy had to, yeah, Jimmy had to stand in the, in the line of fire for, for just being a good guy, you know, and sometimes <laughs> what that am I going to do. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck, final thoughts, final thoughts, Dortmund, Chelsea, champions league, Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, on the bench watching in the stands. <laughs> Both of them could be. To be yeah, honest. just I'm, I'm really interested in this match. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, I'm, well, enjoy I'm London, Chuck. We're really week. proud Thank of you. you. Yeah. Thank we, you. We're excited to see you on the, the old TVs on Paramount Plus. Make sure, again, you guys, if you haven't signed up for it, go sign up for Paramount Plus right now. Use the promo code ADVANCE and you get to see Charlie for free for a one-month mm -hmm. free trial. All right, that is it. And Soccer We Trust is done for today. We'll come back on Thursday and get after it like always so we appreciate your support on behalf of producer des producer alex chuck wagon and hollywood i'm conradino cream cheese trash can saying once again thank you and we'll see you on thursday later